0: Two very important issues are at hand right now in Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. One is my closest friend in life is Magnum T.A. and the accident that he suffered. The last two weeks have been very difficult for Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Because Magnum T.A. and Dusty Rhodes made their own rules. We love fast cars and fast times, and that's the way we lived. On the end of that lightning bolt that crashes through this vast earth of ours. That's the way we're going to continue to live. And after it happened, Nikita Koloff called me on the phone and we talked for hours. And we met and talked for more hours. I don't believe everything that Nikita Koloff believes in, and he doesn't believe everything that I do. But living in this country it gives you that right to be free, to have freedom of speech, to have freedom of choice, to have freedom to do and be what you want to be and me never being one to go by the rules of the book I have a lot of bad feelings about a lot of bad things and some stuff undone the Four Horsemen undone. Whether you like my choice or not is not really important the Dusty of the American Dream the respect you have maybe of this country of ours brought as they're saying these two superpowers together and didn't always agree on everything, but at least had a common bond of what you wanted out of life, then it'd be better. And I have a new partner. And that's Nikita Kolov. And Nikita Kolov, I know one thing about, is the greatest Russian athlete in the world.
1: Nikki. You know I am proud Russian, and I am superior athlete. And I go to Japan and defeat many, many opponents. Well, last week I come back to America, and I hear about Magnum T.A. And I call you Dusty. I call you because many times I meet Magnum T.A. in the ring, and many times we had a hard fight, and I learned to respect him. Well, now, nakita has cause many times magnum ta say for him he has no rule and many times nakita say for me there is no law kremlin uncle Ivan, nobody tell nakita what to do and now you have to remember i nakita kolov am greatest russian athlete to ever walk this earth
2: Nation Wrestling, welcome to episode number 56 of NWA Crack and Roll, Um, our second episode in our relaunch. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and tonight uh, we are going to talk all things that happened pretty much between the end of September to the end of November '86 that lead us into Star but I am not alone tonight. Unfortunately, one of my, well, two of our co-hosts that we're supposed to be on are not here tonight. One would be Scott Shiflet. Who I don't he's probably off doing something stupid because he's shift lit, but honestly he's really on vacation. The second one is we were gonna have Dr. G on tonight, but Doctor G had to have some surgery and he's recovering from that. So my lone a guest tonight, and he is a great guest and probably the hardest working man in podcasting between North South and Play City Nation, Logan Crosslin. How are you tonight?
3: I'm doing great. And yeah, I'm glad I was your third choice, but i just playing. I, I, I was always, no, going know, I, no. I, I, always going to be on. You're not
2: my third choice. You're always going to be on.
3: I know. I was always going to be on, but I, I'm glad to be here as always.
2: Yeah. So uh, the two of us will be covering all things that happened on our build into Starcade 86. Uh, the way we have it kind of framed up tonight is I'm going to talk about the topic um, and a few things it kind of leads into. Uh, we have some great. We have not so great. Uh, I can confirm for me and Logan that probably the single worst thing we've ever watched in the history of podcasting we talked about tonight. Which oh, is- no, it's the
3: history of ever. It's, okay. it's, not, it's not just in podcasting. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. It,
2: it might be the history. Uh, you, you might <laughs> be correct, but there's also some real good stuff, and in, including the Magnum TA accident, which we'll talk about a little bit. But uh, before we jump into it, one thing I want to do is talk about, as we go into this podcast, currently who are the title holders um, that hold all the titles? Last episode – Every single title change, except for one, Logan, that I did not bring up on our last episode. Uh, were you aware of the NWA World six-man tag team titles?
3: I think I have heard of them before, but I, I wasn't sure if they were around at this point or if they came later or what. But I, I knew that they existed, but I, I don't know who the yeah. champions are. Yeah, <laughs> they
4: had
2: been around, and I forgot to mention it. That is the only title that did not change hands in our last episode. And the champions are the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes. They are the six-man huh. tag team champions. Um Yeah. Go ahead.
3: No, no, no. I, I was just saying, yep.
2: Okay. Um, and they, they defeated the Russians for those titles many, many, many months ago. And they're going to hold these titles for a long, long time to come, uh, basically until we get to 1988, I believe. But that's a whole other story. So here's our title holder. So Rick Flair is your world champion. Uh, Nikita Koloff is your U.S. champion. Your world TV champion is Dusty Rhodes. Your mid-Atlantic champion is Ron Garvin. Your world tag team champions are the Rock and Roll Express. And your United States Tag Team Champions are the Russians. There is no longer a national champion, as we talked about on our last episode, that has been merged with the U.S. title. And as we just discussed, our World six-man champions are the Road Warriors and Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes. So I almost said Dustin because I've been in too many of uh, Dustin Rhodes' matches on Danger Pod, but Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Logan, any thoughts on who all these champions are at this point in time or no?
3: Yeah, Dustin wasn't quite the natural yet, but uh, that, those are all the champions I seem to remember from uh, – when I was on uh, nine months ago before the pod went away for a little bit. But uh, yeah, n- not a bad crew, I guess, but, you know, some.
2: Still some- too many titles, though. We don't need, four- yeah. oh, by the way, our junior heavyweight champion is not on here, Denny Brown. I forgot to talk about him because we hardly ever see him. Uh, yeah, but yeah, way, way too many champions, way too many, even like merging a national champion. They don't need a mid-Atlantic champion. They don't really need a junior heavyweight champion. They just need the three main ones. But eventually the junior heavyweight and the, nas- and the uh, mid-Atlantic, they all go away anyway. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, Well, the the thing was is that like they had the main titles for the NWA and then they had all the different territory titles. So there there was just way too much uh way too many belts going on, but um yeah, I I think when you have two tag team champions, it's uh pretty rough going. So.
2: yeah. So and and again, when we get to, we get to Starcade 86, we'll talk about another title, uh the Central States title. So we'll get to that in our next episode. But yeah, way too many titles, a lot of it territory driven, but um 87. Um, as we get into 1987, a lot of that goes away, and we just stick right to Crockett Country in the NWA. So, those are your champions now. So, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about some of the matches that are building to it. Our first topic, a conversation. I had a feeling this one would kind of be bullshit and we would hate it. So, I figured I'd start with this one first because it's notable. It's Paul Jones and Jimmy Valiant, who seem they have, they've feuded for now for like 20 years. And there's also a Wahoo McDaniel element into this, so we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to go to Worldwide Wrestling, and this is from October 11th of 1986. Uh, And for months, Paul Jones at this point had been recruiting Manny the Bull Fernandez to join the Jones Army, and Manny has really turned him down at every single turn. Uh, Manny has been – and, Logan, I know you haven't been on for the history of the pod, and I know you've just kind of jumped on here as a regular – but Mandy Fernandez has been one of our favorites as far as match-wise. He's been really good at matches, but he's been, always been kind of on the back end of things. Um, so it's about time they do something with us. So here's what happens. So Jones um, comes out and does an interview segment. And he is here with Mandy Fernandez and Logan, our first appearance of Ravishing Rick Rude. Did you know Ravishing Rick Rude was in Crockett at this point in time or no?
3: Uh, I knew he came in at some point. I didn't think it was quite this early, but I, I did. I did remember that him and uh, Manny the Bull uh, eventually teamed up, but I wasn't sure if it was quite yet.
2: Yeah. So the cool thing about this is we can't seem to escape Rick Rude to save our life, you and I, at this point. Uh <laughs> But we'll also, we'll, we'll also get to see his journey. Is like if he's any better here than he is in what we've been watching on Danger Pod, which uh, free plug is now over as the time this uh, airs. So please go back and listen to that on North South. We have finished that. Um, that really uh, highly prestigious, um, I would say, five-star podcast, Logan. <laughs> 100%. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Five star. if not seven stars on the
2: Meltzer scale. <laughs> yeah, it's not seven <laughs> stars. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, our first appearance of Rick Rude, and Manny's here. So, And the other thing is, did you know this, that Rick Rude is just fresh off to be in world-class championship wrestling's world heavyweight champion. Did you know that?
3: I did not know that, so that that is news to me. But that's, that's not surprising. I feel like at this point, uh, in the promo that he cuts that you're kind of alluding to. I feel like he's already kind of had the gift of gab. He already had the, you know, his little phrases that he had has down pretty well. So I think he was pretty good on the mic. So it's not hard to believe that he's at the top of some some territory.
2: So here's what I so – so just for context, and to share with our audience and you because, you know, I'm a little bit of a history buff and the territory shit I love. It's not aw 88. Don't worry. But uh, – <laughs> So basically world-class had a title called the America's title when they were part of the NWA and the territory at at some point Fritz von Erich, because Fritz is a kind of a penis decided to segregate himself and he turned the America's title into the world-class championship wrestling world title. And at the time Rick Rude held the America's title. So he just by, by happenstance became their first world champion. So Rick Rude Uh, was the first actual world-class championship wrestling world champion. So you did not the, know, that.
3: And, then, and then the 100 on Eric's won them about a million times, I'm sure.
2: Well, <laughs> they did, but here's the other thing you did not know do you want to know who one of Rick Rude's uh first uh feuds was with in world class championship wrestling?
4: Who was that? The
2: Dingo Warrior, who ultimately oh, wow. became his biggest feud in WWF, the Ultimate Warrior. So, Rude and Ultimate Warrior feuded in world class, so um, at wow. this point, they had already feuded, believe it or not. So, so just so a little sweet. bit of a history lesson, but now Rick Rude's here. So we go to a tape, and uh, Paul Jones brings in the suitcase full of money, and Manny um, looks at it, thinks about it, uh, and he picks it up, looks at the cash, shakes Jones' hand, and then Valiant's really stupid at protests. He grabs Manny and, like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And then gets clocked with the suitcase and beat up by Jones' army. Then we come back live to Jones, who creepily admires Rude's six-pack. And then he mentions (laughs) that he wants the TV title from Dusty, and then Rude cuts a promo on how fine he is, and then Manny says money is everything, says Valiant is a loser and money talks. Um, so any thoughts on this Manny turn? I, for me, I know it's very much needed for Manny and I think I like it. I don't like it that he's with Jones or involved in the Valiant bullshit. Uh, but any thoughts on this and how stupid Jimmy Valiant is?
3: Yeah. I mean, if he's at the point as a face where he's teaming with Jimmy Valiant, he needs something, uh, he needs something else to happen. So I think a heel turn was probably the best move here. I think it was pretty well done. Uh, I, I made the note that with what Valiant looks like with his hair and beard in this segment, no one has ever deserved to be turned on harder than him uh, in this very moment. So I, I loved it because he just absolutely jaw jacked him with the, uh, with the uh, briefcase. So uh, I think it was definitely probably well-needed, and it's uh, probably a good direction for Manny to head.
2: Yeah, I immediately became a Manny Fernandez fan even more after he turned on Valiant. Yeah, sure. absolutely. <laughs> All right, so then we go to a week later. We're going to World Championship Wrestling. So this kind of sets up that we start to see the setup of what's going to happen at Starcade at this point. So then we go to World Championship Wrestling. Uh, this is on uh, October 18th, uh, 1986, uh, and this involves Wahoo, uh, Rick Rude, Manny, and all the uh, players here. So Jones comes out for an interview with Bull and Rude. He calls Valiant an idiot. Uh, Rude says he and Bull will be at Starcade, and then Manny starts to talk about Wahoo. Uh, starts to talk about Valiant, but Wahoo comes out. Um, Wahoo is in Manny's face and says Jones is no good. Rude comes around the desk, and then Wahoo chops the fuck at him. So technically, Wahoo started it. He starts choking Jones, and then Manny attacks. All three attack Wahoo. And then Manny does a flying burrito from the second rope while Rude holds him. And by the way, yes, Manny Fernandez's finisher was called the flying burrito. Um, 1986 Crockett, not so PC. <laughs> uh, and then in the end, so Wahoo gets beat up. T.A. and Garvin come in and make the save. So now you got Rick Rude being involved. Now you got Wahoo involved in this. Uh, you got Rick Rude involved with Wahoo. You got Manny involved with Valiant. You got all these players that are coming in like these two quick segments. So any thought on Wahoo coming in and getting his ass beat now?
3: Yeah, Wah- Wahoo's chop to Rude yeah. was devastating. It made the loudest pop uh, of, of all the chops that I've ever heard. It it's the only the
2: thing Wahoo ever. does good anymore is his chop.
3: <laughs> A- absolutely. <laughs> but it was good to see him kind of get uh, wrecked up by these uh, by this new uh, cr- group. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I thought it was a really well done segment. Yeah, I heard. I, I think Shivani says calls it the burrito, and I was like, somehow that's more offensive now that he's a heel. Uh, it's pretty offensive otherwise, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely heard that for sure. But um, yeah, a good little beat down on Wahoo. Obviously, Garvin and T A come to make the save, but, um, yeah, good good way to set up this new little crew.
2: Yeah, I like how like in just a span of a week they've set up. Like Manny is his heel. They've set up Rude, and they've set him up interfacing with Valiant. And wow, who, who even though they're old school and they suck, are still considered like fan favorites, right? So I like how they set it up. Like they did it really fast in a matter of seven days, which is really good. Um, all right. So our next segment. And by the way, we have a long way to like. There's so many segments that involve all these people. This Jimmy Valiant video we're going to talk about next is the thing I mentioned at the top of the pod. life. might the worst thing we've ever watched in our life. So. We're going to start to build the Starcade here. Jim, uh, so Jim Crockett comes out, and he introduces a video that's going to set up our first match inside for Starcade. Uh, so we go we go to this video of why no Jimmy Valiant on the street in, like, an alleyway. And there's beer cans everywhere, and there's, like, this really bad harmonica music playing. I don't know if this was piped in peacock music, but I don't think it was based on what happens. So you can't even hear Valiant talk because the music's so loud. And then they show the the history of Paul Jones cutting Valiant's hair. Like Valiant and Paul Jones have been feuding now for twenty fucking years. Um, and during the and during the bash, uh, Valiant got his hair cut because he lost the match to Jones. So now here we are again. So uh, then Valiant talks about Bull turning on him. Uh, Jones has scarred his soul, and he and Valiant says he has nothing more to offer. Then he thanks his peoples for support. Not people, Logan, his peoples for support. <laughs> um, so then he pulls out a harmonica and he starts playing, fake playing the harmonica. You know he's not really playing it. You can tell he's faking really? it, right? All oh, right, so absolutely. Here, so here comes the big, like, really shocker this. So Big Mama, who we have talked about before on this pod, pulls up in a station wagon with her and her triple double Fs or whatever she has in this really bad cougar uniform um, and does some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life and she asks Boogie where he's been and she's clearly reading like huge cards looking at the camera right she's not even looking at him she's All looking right. at the camera uh, she tells Jimmy he can beat Jones and approve it she will put her hair on the line for Boogie at Starcade. and Jimmy doesn't even second think this he's not like oh baby don't do it he's like you know what I'll accept that 100% because it ain't my hair because it's yours and it's like he just accepts it so she grabs Jimmy and says, let's go party in the station wagon. And then so, and so Paul comes out, and he accepts the challenge. But the thing that was great about this, Paul Jones makes a boo joke and says something about Mama losing all her hair, and she'll fall forward because she has nothing to hold it up, and I died laughing at that. But uh, this video was probably one of the single worst things I've ever seen in wrestling, so here's what it did. It is now set up. It has now set up basically the first match of Starcade, which is Valiant, Versus Paul Jones, hair uh, – her hair uh, is on the line in this match, and uh, Jones' hair is on the line in this match. So any – Logan, have at this masterpiece of what we just watched.
3: Just the the most abysmal piece of shit I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was bad enough when it was just Valiant because, like you said, the music was like great value, bad to the bone on the on a harmonica or something so like
2: that. So bad.
3: So um, bad. So you couldn't even hear him. He was just, oh, rah, rah, rah. you know, he was groveling and whatever uh, he was saying stuff, but it just you couldn't understand a damn thing he said because the music was so loud. And then she comes in and like you said, she's obviously reading off of some kind of prompter or cue cards or something like that because she never even looks at him. She looks like a absolute streetwalker prostitute, just just I know that's kind of what she's supposed to be a little bit, but um, she absolutely looks terrible. Um, and yeah, she kind of puts her hair on the line and, uh, Valiant doesn't think twice about it. He's just like, oh yeah, we can do that. That's fine. It's not my hair. Cool. And then, yeah. So, and then Jones just accepts it, uh, says, uh, Raging Bull will be in uh, ringside with him during the match. So, uh, should be interesting, but uh, probably not going to be a five-star classic or anything like that. But. Yeah, yeah.
2: This first match doesn't get me excited for Stark by any stretch, like, <laughs> because I don't need to see Paul Jones and uh, Jimmy Valiant wrestle yet again, but it's never-ending. All right, so that leads – okay, so this will lead to kind of the last segment for kind of like this topic. So we go to a six-man tag team match that night. It's a Kansas Jayhawks who – We haven't watched what we talked about on our last episode. They were in the final of the U.S. Tag Team Tournament. They lost to the Koloffs. I'm sorry, to uh, Ivan and Kresher Khrushchev. um, And then they have Brad Armstrong, uh, who becomes kind of a staple in Crockett after this. And they're taking on Rick Rude and the other epitome of face who is so bad, Baron Vomrashki and uh, Pez Watley. And this is actually uh, Baron's face turn. So they fit a lot of this to the week because Baron's part of, you know, Jones's army. So now they have Manny. So now they're going to swap out Baron. So here's what happens. So basically, from a six-man standpoint, the match is terrible. I think I went like a three-quarters of a star, if we're lucky. But basically, uh, what happens is there's a lot of mistakes here where, um, like, Baron, like, Rude accidentally kicks Baron, uh, and then Brad rolls Baron into Paul on the apron, and then he gets the three. And then after the match, uh, Jones and Baron get into it and start pushing each other, and then Shasky and Rude have to get in the middle of them. But then, you know, Paul attacks Baron from behind, and then Paul gets the claw to his head, and then the rest of the army beat up Baron until Wahoo comes out and makes a save and chops everyone, and then he gets beat down, and then Armstrong and the Jayhawks decide to come out and make the save. So Baron is now a face, and now what we have set up now basically is we have three Starcade matches set up out of these segments we just talked about. you got Valiant versus Jones. you got Rude versus Wahoo that's going to have a strap match coming out of this in Starcade. And then you get Baron Von Raschke, who's going to team up with Hector Guerrero to face Saskia Lottley and a Barbarian. So we have three matches at Stargate that have been set up in all these segments. So um, what would you like to add on top of this match? Besides, I really hope you thought it was terrible like I did. Baron's yeah, awful. Baron my, my
3: rating was exactly word for word, whatever. I I put whatever in my little rating spot. So.
2: How bad um, is Baron Von Raschke? Like, he's uh, so
3: he's, bad. He's awful. He's like... Uh, emaciated George the animal steel. So um, that's what he always looks like to me. Um, A couple just a couple of notes from the match. Brad Armstrong seems to be one of those guys that as looks the exact same his entire career. He never changes. He always has the long (laughs) curly mullet uh, always looks super young,
2: but he's Um, really good in ring too. The problem is he has no personality. And if he had ever gotten a personality, he could have been something good because he's really good in ring.
3: Um, Was Teddy long, the referee in this match?
2: He was, indeed.
3: Okay, yeah, he had a ha- hell of a hairdo as well. Uh, I, I noticed that. It was like he was completely bald on top, but he had this, like, jerry curl thing going on in the back, and it was it was quite impressive. Um, I thought Bobby Jaggers looked like uh, Henry Godwin with a bleach job, um, and then, like I said, the match was quick, uh, mostly whatever, uh, but it was all just leading to the turn. So, um, yeah, not a very good match, but I guess we need – Sharon Von Raschke is a face, I guess. I don't know. Apparently, Crockett thinks we need that, so okay. um, whatever.
2: <laughs> well, I guess, so listen, there's 12 matches at Starcade, and literally these three are like undercard. The only one for me that, listen, I, we shit on Wahoo a lot on this, but if Wahoo goes in a strap match and just beats the fuck and chops the shit out of Rude, I'm going to be there for it.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that could be good if it if, if worked correctly, like you said.
2: Yeah, we'll watch it, and we'll see how it plays out when we watch Starcade, but uh, exactly, not the three, like, oh, by the way, we also forgot to mention uh, how eternally hairy Dutch Mantell is.
3: Oh, yeah, Very, very yeah, yeah. Dutch Mantell. Coming from everywhere.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, anyway, that's topic one. So you got three of your matches set up for Starcade coming out of that. So now we're going to go to topic two, which is one I'm a little more excited for, and I think you are, too. So it's the Rock and Roll Express and the Andersons. And when we were talking about the Great American Bash before we we bailed and came back nine months later we had watched a banger of a tag team match with them and they had seemed to really set up a feud. I think we went four stars on that match. It was during the bash. Um, but it was really, really good. And it continues here. So um, like I said, these two teams wrestled several times over the summer um, and a feud intensifies now because part of that is the rock and roll express now are the world tag team champions. And this leads into Starcade. So we're going to go to October 11th um, and that's worldwide as well. And we want to bring up that Robert Gibson has been injured by the horseman at this point. So Ricky Morton comes out and challenges one of the Andersons to a match. And the one that accepts is Oli Anderson. And um, I am the eternal Oli Anderson's a miserable prick. And I think Oli Anderson for me, I love Arn, but I like Oli when he's entering because he just looks miserable and looks like he just wants to kick your ass and beat you up. And that's one of my reasons why I like Oli. So anyway, we go to the match. Arn's at ringside. Ricky has nobody. Like we said, uh, <coughs> uh, Gibson's uh, hurt. Uh, Oli goes right after the ribs. Morton tries to fight back as a crowd chants "Rock and Roll." Uh, Morton then goes over on unroll- Oli and starts working his ribs. Um, then Oli, you know, being Oli, goes right after the nose and the face that was injured during the series with um, Flair, where Morton had a broken nose. So pretty smart. Uh, Oli is awesome and how vicious he is. Arn is losing his shit at ringside as Ricky comes back. I thought was great. Uh, it's a straight up fight on this one, and what you would expect from an Anderson match. Morton does a cross body and an arm comes in to break the pin. Uh, they double team uh, Ricky Morton until Dusty comes in for the save. Uh, but Aaron, why this is happening is outside Rhodes. Morton faced savagely in the concrete while Dusty is wailing on Ole. Uh, Tolly then comes in um, and he and Oli beat on Dusty. Then TA comes out to make the save. JJ's waiting at the interview area and then all three join him. Ole screams they took Morton and Rhodes down. Tolly says the horsemen are on top of the world. And uh, this year they will take out Rhodes and a fired up promo here from the horsemen. And they said they finally they are getting rid of everyone. I went three stars all in. The match was only like eleven minutes, but I love the beatdown. I love the post interview and I just love how sick and vicious the Andersons are here. And old Morton's a really good baby face to beat the fuck out of. So Logan, what'd you think? I, I went three stars.
3: Yeah, he's a master class in selling just uh, whatever body part his opponent decides to work on, and, and like you said, Oli and Arn are pretty good at being miserable pricks that can tee off on, on, on a uh, on a limb or, or, or a rib or something, whatever whatever they're targeting in that match. So, very good, uh, very good matchup here. Um, Morton seemed to come in a little hurt in with the ribs. Uh, so he kind of tried to stick and move a lot earlier. He was trying to kind of avoid only going after him, but all being the veteran that he is starts immediately te- teeing off on the, on the, uh, injured area. Um, Ricky's speed and tenacity, keep him in control for a lot of the opening parts of the match. Um, obviously we do the classic go to commercial and then the heels on top when we come back. Um, Ricky Ricky does a reversal in the corner at one point, starts delivering some big and constant strikes to the head, eventually causing uh, Ole to kind of do the flare flop a little bit and fall straight on his face. Um, There was a pretty devastating headbutt to the gut that Ole hit at one point. I liked that a lot um morton uses every bit of energy he has left which isn't much uh but the ribs are really starting to hurt him he's really starting to sell it uh i made a note of the classic uh nose work that you mentioned uh in the closing minutes of the match the last like two or three minutes were just non-stop uh morton has only dead dead to rights at the end but obviously arn jumps in for the uh dq but yeah three stars i, I went the same as you and thought it was really well done
2: yeah, you know, it's interesting. You go back and watch this coming fresh off a of Danger Pod and thinking what they could have done with the Alliance, and then you watch something like this, and you just shake your head at how disappointed you are that they didn't do that, you know? <laughs> this is so good. I mean, they yeah. did a similar thing with Ricky Steamboat on the concrete, but that was, like, the only thing they did, but the horsemen get like this all the time. So it's just, and we got a, we got another one that's coming up that I think is pretty great, too, that we'll talk about here in a little bit. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so that sets up, obviously, at this point, Rock and roll Express will take on the Andersons of Starcade in a Steel Cage match, which I guarantee that's going to be fucking awesome. So I can't wait for that match. That one definitely has me sold to watch for sure. Um, Absolutely. All right. Topic three. So pretty famous uh, thing here. So uh, Starcade 86, consider, it's known as Night of the Skywalkers. And here's why. So this is going to set up the Road Warriors. The Midnight Express, and it's going to set up Big Bubba versus uh, Ron Garvin in a Louisville street fight. So two more matches we're going to have at Starcade. So um, uh, WCW on September 27th. I'm going to go through these two promos, Logan, and then ask for your opinion on these. Oh, yeah. So 9 nine twenty-seven WCW. Uh, the Midnight Express um, attacked the Road Warriors. So the Road Warriors are wrestling. Cornette walks out and hits Ellering with a racket to the head. Then Hawk goes outside after Condry. Inside the ring, Cornette clobbers Animal with the racket. Bobby uh, does the top rope knee to the back of Animal's head. That looked fantastic. And then Jim cuts a great promo on Paul and the road, worries about being cowards, not being unbeatable, and running home to their slummy Chicago streets and being purse snatchers. So that was really good. <laughs> then uh, about a month later, uh, the Warriors come out, and they've been gone for a month. It's a pretty famous promo here. The Warriors come out to Iron Man. They are say they're ready for the Midnight Express. Paul is holding the pumpkin. Uh, the Midnight Express can't seem to get away from pumpkins, Logan. Just FYI. <laughs> You know, Bobby, especially. But anyway, Paul's holding a pumpkin saying Midnight Express was able to do what no one else could do. And they put the road warriors out. Hawk shows the scaffolds around the building that they are near and brags on construction workers who risk their lives every day. Animal says we are calling this match night of the Skywalkers. Said They've been out a month and they climb the scaffold to the Iron Man. And in front of the scaffold says here's what the Midnight Express have to look forward to. They grab they grab pumpkins with the Express's name on him and throw the pumpkins to the ground in slow-mo with Iron Man playing. And as we end this whole segment, the pumpkins explode on the ground, which I thought was really good. So this is a really famous video that set it up. Um, so Logan, what did you think of back to back that uh set up the scaffold match and then we have one more thing to talk about for the scaffold match, which is pretty funny. But what did you think of these two?
3: I don't think nineteen eighty six video was quite ready for Solomo because it was like super duper duper slow. Oh, it's like V C
2: R it's like V C R. And like the
3: and like the picture couldn't catch up with the pumpkin as it was falling at certain points uh but it, it was just funny but uh yeah i made the same note i said i wonder if bobby felt triggered due to his love of pumpkins during that uh segment uh, as a callback to so much danger um but yeah back to the uh, attack uh, i thought the shot with the racket on ellering was brutal um hawk Beats Conjury's ass pretty well outside the ring, but Eaton and Cornette are both, both teaming up on Animal. and they. I love
2: pretty good. that knee drop. That knee drop to the back of the head was awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was devastating. Hit him right in the head and neck. It was. It looked pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a hell of a promo by Cornette. Uh, somehow he wasn't racist or sexist at all, uh, which is a, a really big shock because that's really hard for him. Um, the, the workout video for the Road Warriors is absolutely insane. They look Jacked and just oiled to all, all the a, as big as big as they could be, probably as big as they ever were, uh, muscle wise. Um, they obviously challenge them to a scaffold match. Um, we know how bad those can be from uh, our very first episode of Chicken Salad, uh, but maybe this one will live up to a little bit more of a of a higher expectation. Um, and then obviously, like you said, they demonstrate what falling off the scaffold could do by using pumpkins. Write the names of each guy on. On each pumpkin, uh, but yeah, the, I don't I don't know if the video quality was the best, but um, definitely a funny little segment.
2: Yeah, it got the point across at least. So, <laughs> and and, and um, with, right.
3: the, with the pumpkins, it was especially funny with the Seven Months of
4: Danger.
2: Uh, Correct. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming, but I thought the timing of it was very funny, so it definitely yeah. <laughs> took me back. And that's, by the way, we talked about that pumpkin on the very first episode of Seven Months of Danger, so that's like a year-old reference, by the way. That's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Yep. Um, all right so the next match is in so we'll come back to the midnight express but i'm going to go to big bubba now because bubba's obviously the bodyguard for Cornette. so here's the deal so we have a something that's going to happen where this kind of altered where star cave was going to go so ron garvin initially was going to challenge nikita for the u.s title when nikita was a heel um, because they had already laid the groundwork for that um in our next segment um after we talk about this topic we're going to talk about why that changed so they had to out, well, what are we going to do with Garvin now? Well, here it is, and it's really something short and sweet. So uh, we go to WCW Saturday Night, and both these segments are from November 15, 1986. Um, Garvin wins a match, and then randomly Bubba comes out, and him and the Express attack him with a double rocket launcher, where the Midnight Express throw a rubber from Bubba on the top rope onto Garvin, and basically that just sets up the Louisville street fight with no context whatsoever. That one segment sets up this big freaking street fight between Bubba and Garvin. So anything you'd like to say, it was really quick on the fly because they had to do it. But if they had more build to it, it would have made a lot of sense. But any thought about this match, I do just think the match has potential to be really good because both these guys can go. So
3: Yeah, I think it could be a good hosfest. fest uh, and the attack from Bubba. He hits two, t- uh, Two pretty big splashes from the top rope, and he's a pretty big boy. So uh, those had to be pretty devastating feeling. And then somewhere in the promo that Cornette cuts after the attack, he says, uh, Bubba is so tough that he brushes his teeth with a sandblaster and shaves with barbed wire. So that's a good line.
2: Yeah, I mean, so again, not much to the build for this match, but I wanted to make sure it was thrown in here in the context around why they booked it so fast. So again, a match I look forward to seeing because I know, especially Ron Garvin, Um, who's been a podcast favorite of mine. And that's one of my favorite freaking brawlers. And Bubba, we know long-term as the boss man can go. So this should be interesting. But uh, Bubba's only been wrestling less than a year now. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. So we're going to go to our final segment of the Midnight Express scaffold build. So the Midnight Express, (laughs) (laughs) this is so great. So we go to this arena and it's at the arena. So clearly – they have already done this match before, and I will tell you, the Midnight Express have done midnight. They 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 are pros at scaffold matches because in mid south, uh, them and the Rock and Roll Express did many of these like in the eighty four, eighty five range, Logan. So this is their first like thing, but they're bringing this to Crockett now. So we go to the Setti Arena, and it has a scaffold above the ring. Uh, Cornette, Bubba, and the Midnight Express are in the ring, and um, and Jimmy immediately tells Bobby to quit whining about the scaffold match. Mama paid for this, and don't make me look stupid. I was dying laughing at this. <laughs> He tells them to get up there and climb the scaffold. Bobby is terrified as Jim just goes off on both of them and bny and keeps yelling it's safe. Tells them to stand up. It will be a fight as they because cr- they're basically on the top of the scaffold and they're both terrified. And say so they won't stand up. And he, Jim Cornette says, Tell, stand up. It'll be a fight. Uh, he then says he and Bubba ain't scared. Bubba climbs out and he climbs up and he just walks along the scaffold. Uh, he goes, I need you guys to figure out how to throw the worries off. And he really does care about them. But then Jim starts to climb the scaffold, but then shits himself and holds the scaffold tight as we cut out of the video. So I thought this was tremendous. I don't know what you thought, but I loved every minute of this.
3: Nah, this was great. Cornette somehow used uh, "hornswoggled" as a verb, which was incredibly impressive. <laughs> I said I said Tim Cable would have been impressed because that sounds like a Tim Cable word. Um, yeah. I didn't I, I didn't even know that was a word other than the, the the name of the little man that was in WWE in the late late two thousands. Um, but him constantly yelling and uh, yelling at uh, Bobby and uh, Dennis for being afraid uh, was awesome. Don't make
2: me look stupid. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he especially was going in on Bobby, constantly calling him a nagging old woman for constantly, constantly complaining and acting like he didn't want to do it. And he was afraid of all all that. So, yeah, great, great segment from uh, Cornette here. And he's been really awesome uh, on these uh, few
4: segments for sure.
2: Yeah, he he definitely helps uh, because the Midnight Express is, you know, none of, none of those guys can talk. I mean, he definitely is someone that needed talker as a manager, especially Bobby, right? Um, mm-hmm. All right. So that sets up the scoff of the match. Now, one thing I did add to this because there's two reasons why I added this next match. One is to close it out on um, this whole Midnight Express Road Warriors thing, but we met the Road Warriors had mentioned um they had been out a month. Uh, the attack happened at the end of September. Well, they had been gone most of October. Well, the reason why it is, is the Road Warriors also had commitments in Japan. And so they were over in Japan for the most of the month of October. So obviously they couldn't do the, they came back, they pretended like they were out injured and then they came back to set up the match. The match that I selected that they were in Japan on, uh, Logan is a noted Japan match hater. If you guys remember back in the early stages of rock and roll, uh, he was on our episode where we covered October 85 and we had two matches from Japan that Logan really hated. Um, and by the way, it's very funny, Logan. Here we are a year later in '86 in October, so there might be some uh, there might be some symmetry here. But I thought this would be a good one because Maybe. one of the things on, uh, yeah, so YouTube Roulette, which Logan is on every episode. I used to be on every episode, but now I'm there for a cup of coffee if you're lucky. Very early on, one of the things we discovered in YouTube Roulette was how much we love Terry Funk and the Funks, right? Um what, what do we to call him? Dory. And then Terry always got his ass kicked and beat the shit out of people, right? So we fell in love with him immediately. Mm. So I was like, how bad could it be? They're in Japan and the Road Warriors are taking on the Funk Brothers, and the Funks are fresh out of WWF at this point. Um, uh, so literally, how could this lose? So I picked watch this match. I'm I'm gonna guarantee Logan and I got a very different thoughts, but I'm gonna go through the match and then we'll have our say on this. So this is from October twentieth. 1986. It is from Japan. It is the Warriors versus Funks. And again, like I said, this is the real reason why the Road Warriors were out for a month. They weren't injured. They were out. Um, they were torn Japan. So the Warriors charge to the ring and the Funks bailed. Uh, Hawk press slams Terry to start. Then there's an animal bear hug. Uh, Dory hits an amazing forearm to Hawk's face off the ropes, which I thought was really stiff. Uh, funks hit double forearms uh, to, uh, their, to the, the face. And Terry hits a really nice pile driver that Hawk no sells and stands right up. Hawk then does a pile driver to Terry, and then Terry stands up, and he tries to no-sell it, but then he's all discombobulated and hurt, which is typical Terry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, later on, there's a stiff elbow to Dory by Animal. Animal power slam to tor- Terry. Uh, there's a flying shoulder block by Hawk. Hawk does a really nice atomic drop, which I thought looked really good. Um, Hawk puts Terry on the middle of the top rope, and an the animal charges across the ring and forearms, forearms while Hawk is holding him, which I thought looked really great. The ref pushes Animal away, and then Dory comes charging at Hawk, and Drop kicks him out of the ring from behind. Um, But Hawk gets up. He climbs the top rope. His Animal holds Dory and does the Doomsday clothesline. This ends like a typical Japan fashion back in the day. We always have these schmoz endings. All four fight outside with chairs and tables. Uh, I hate the schmoz ending. I hate the double DQ. And, Logan, I know you're going to disagree with me. I love this. Uh, I wish we could have had a tag team feud between these two in Crockett proper and not Japan. Maybe you would have liked it more. Uh, i actually went three and a quarter stars on this and i know you're not going to agree with me but i thought this was awesome so go ahead shit all over it
3: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna shit on it i I won't say it was bad but it it, it, i feel like it should have been better it's it's more my fault for thinking it was going to be great when it came in and it just wasn't ever probably going to be that just because of the double dq hey logan
2: i think we have high of the funks like for terry specifically we have a higher elevation thought of what the funk should be based on you super yeah, yeah, yeah and and
3: you know w- with a modern match that n- happened this previous weekend i think that was the big problem with it uh, if you, if you know what i'm ta- if you know when this was recorded you know what i'm talking about but I, I think i think that one was a victim of expectations and i think this one is a victim of expectations as well for me um, okay. I, I just thought it, <clears throat> i just thought it was a bit slower than i wanted it to be i, th- I wanted it to be a little bit more chaotic And it was just more, a little bit more just wrestling. I I didn't think it had enough chaos in it, considering that the Funks and the Warriors were both in it. Uh, I thought Terry looked like uh, Manny Fernandez with the stash and the hairdo he had going on. So
2: I immediately was like,
3: where's Terry? Because it it really didn't look like Terry Funk at first.
2: Yeah,
3: because he didn't
2: have his shape. Because a lot of the early stuff we watched was from like the late 70s, and this was '86.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did not look like his uh, usual self, but, um, obviously you mentioned the two nasty pile drivers, which both guys, uh, no sold, Hawk, 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 Hawk no, no sold it, uh, completely. And then Terry kind of somewhat sold it, but still stood up and tagged out at the same time. Um, like I said, the match was kind of slower than I expected it. It started to kind of pick up towards the middle and kind of towards the end, but it never really hit that next gear for me. Um, I didn't have uh, Dory Funk throwing a drop kick on my bingo card, so there was there was that. Um, and again, like I said, the match wasn't bad, but uh, considering who was in it, I, I was hoping it would be a little bit better. But I'd probably go two and three quarters on it if I have to get it a rating.
2: Yeah, that's not too bad. I'll will take two and three quarters. And 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 listen, I I love the funks, and I actually listen. The bigger problem with the Japan matches for me, it's not just about the expectation of the match, but you can never have a clean win in Japan. Mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem with the late 80s booking in japan and why it's almost worthless to watch anything in japan but i was like "This is the fucks and the warriors just beat the fuck out of each other And i think to an extent they did but this match was 20 minutes and to be fair to you if they had just gone in and beat the fuck out of each other for 10 to maybe even 15 it probably would have been a lot better because there was yeah. a lot of slow stuff in between yeah y- yeah, yeah i but think if it had been three- short,
3: it probably would have been uh, a better off for sure
2: yeah, but I still I was sticking with my three and a quarter. So uh, your two and three you quarters did. is okay. All right, so now, <laughs> so, you? so now we so now we set up those two me. matches. <laughs> so well, this is more of our serious pod, Logan. This is uh, my okay. so yeah, this is more of the serious Um All right, so that so now we're gonna move to our next topic, and this sets up a whole whole chain of events going in the Starcade, and it's really our last discussion of the whole uh, show. But there's a lot in this. Therefore. You know the timing on this part of the ring of this just aired recently. Um, on 10
4: 1980, hospitalized at hotel in Oklahoma down. was put on life support.
2: Um, he was returned to his home in Matthews, home from North Carolina from a bar. Now what's interesting is on the dark side, uh, on the dark side, they said he was returning from a uh, a match that he had with Jimmy Garvin. Uh, here they said it was a, from a bar in Charlotte, so I'm not which is true, but had not been drinking It was driving 55 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. The roads were wet due to rain. T.A. setting out a feud with um, Jimmy Garvin at this point after he lost the U.S. title, uh, but he was slated to be Ric Flair's opponent at Stargate. So um, a couple of things here. One, you know, Magnum T.A., we have, on the history of this pod, we've really watched his evolution of how great he's been. They have really been – like the whole Nikita feud was great um transition kind of set up magnum but in between they were going to have a few with jimmy Garvin the flare um and i really think starcade 86 was where magnum was going to cement himself as their world champion a lot of people saw of, w, of nwa at that point um he had earned you no know, he was a super hot baby face and now it's just like gone in a heartbeat and you know more than anything the end of his career is sad but if you look at it from a business perspective this really put Jim Crockett and Starcade in a lot of jeopardy. And we're going to talk about, I mean, Logan, I want your thoughts on Magnum TA's accident, but then really think about from a business standpoint, oh, shit. And you just number one man in the main event. But sadly for me, um, we ended the career and probably, there, I mean, we're not going to end on this podcast, but it's going to be more around his return. He's announcing, but his wrestling career is over at this point, And now Starcade made events up in the air. So, Logan, what did you think of all this? Yeah, it's devastating.
3: Um, Obviously for Magnum himself, I mean, obviously he's not going to get to do what he obviously has learned to love to do. Um, I I watched that Dark Side of the Ring as well. Just having it retold, it makes it even even sadder from a, a future perspective. I will say at least he, he lived, um, obviously he couldn't wrestle anymore, but I'd rather probably be alive than not get to do what I want to do, uh, for the rest of my life. So, uh, there is that positive to look at. Um, but yeah, from a business perspective, yeah, you just, it, you know, you're, you've been building this guy. He's been great. He's been your U S champion. He's had all these great matches. Um, he's obviously headed for a big match with your top guy. Um, so, yeah, from a business perspective, it's devastating a, as well. Um, and, and, you know, if you watch The Dark Side of the Ring, you know, uh, Crockett or whichever one of the Crockett's was on there, I think it was David. David, uh, David, yeah. But, yeah, he basically says this, like, this ruined them. And, like, they, they never really financially recovered after this injury because uh, this was kind of the down downturn of, of business. And, um, you know, th- he was going to be their saving grace and he was going to be their, their Hogan uh which is kind of Mm -hmm. what they were trying to go for. So, um, yeah, just absolutely devastating for the company and for for TA himself. Um, But it's it's one of the probably greatest what-ifs because he could have been a huge star. Um, He may have eventually gone to WWF uh, if he had stayed able to wrestle. Might have stayed in NWA, WCW for all those years, but um, we'll never
2: know, I guess. Well, there was even a famous wrestling cover. I can't remember what magazine it was back in the day. I mean, obviously, I collected the wrestling magazines, and they had a, like a cover of Hogan versus TA, like facing each other on the cover and the what-if factor of that. Now, obviously, Hogan was a bigger star at that point, but the TA factor, to your point, I mean, he could eventually eventually gone to WWF too, but I really think Crockett, if he – but I would, I would assume that if he – didn't have the accident. Crockett would have kept him at all. Like it would, He would have thrown everything at the kitchen sink to keep the guy as their top guy. Um, yeah. But then would Duncan allow him because Dusty had a bit of an ego? And the other thing they said on the dark side, which was interesting, is, you know, Dusty, what are we going to do for business? I know him and Dusty you were know, a guy. But Dusty, I almost got to say, was he... He really got the business. So being in his shoes as the booker, Jim Crockett as the owner, I mean, that's quite the conundrum. You got your best friend who's in a car accident. Now you still got to worry about the business. That's a that's a tough sell. And I can only imagine. And listen, I know Dusty has an ego, but I got to imagine even he struggled at this point about, you know, who gives a fuck about the business? Like my best friend's freaking paralyzed, you know, and I would I'd hope to think that's what Dusty felt like. I would think I would hope so
3: yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i I think i think in in an interview we'll talk about in a minute i think it kind of comes across a little bit that he was uh pretty broken up about it so i I think he definitely felt you know remorse for the fact that his best buddy probably wasn't ever
2: yeah uh, he was in the hospital with him and you could tell there was real and so we'll talk about that in a minute but unfortunately this is the end of magnum ta the wrestler and um go watch that dark side the dark side is really really good i don't I think in the end, the dark, they call it Dark Side of the Ring, but it's really what happened to him. But in the end, it was really a positive outcome in the story. I thought how it was played – the, yeah, the, the 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 injury and the wreck and everything was depressing, but I think they really painted it in a good light at the end on how he came through it and everything. So that's sometimes on the dark side of the ring. That's not really what happens on that show, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the few but ones anyway. that ended
3: in a positive manner. So uh, there is that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh not to be uh confused with the uh Doink the Clown one that I just watched, which was very, very depressing. Yeah. Very depressing. That was, anyway. That one
4: was rough.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one was rough. Because Matt Bourne also, and again, not to get off context, Matt Bourne is one of my under underrated favorites as well. Not just from Doink, but that whole world class like he had a great uh territory run too, so that one was really sad. But anyway, this, the, the Magnum one's really good to watch, so go check that out. All yeah, right. Actually. So now that we've had the accident with Magnum. Now we're like, okay, what the fuck do we do? So we're going to go to October 18th, and this is going to build a couple different matches that we're going to talk about um, to cement the end and what we're going to start. So I'm worldwide wrestling. So at this point, um, Dusty Rhodes has injured Tully Blanchard, um, has injured his leg, and Tully's on crutches. So uh, we go to an interview segment where JJ is speaking to David Crockett and says, Dusty should be fined and suspended for attacking the legs and knee of Tully Blanchard. JJ's Officials don't handle situations. The horsemen do it their way. And then they cut to a tape of Oli, Arn and JJ following Dusty's car on the way to the Jim Crockett offices. And by the way, you know what's funny about the slogan? So I've been to Charlotte, right? The I've been by the Jim Crockett offices. They're not offices anymore. They're like something else. But literally, it was literally in like this little strip mall. And he had this like little <laughs> office there in Charlotte, which is hilarious to watch that on video since I've been there. It's so funny just to watch it. So anyway, they're watching it. It's raining. Uh, they pull into uh, the, the offices, and JJ's narration is very evil um, as they follow <laughs> him. And he's planning the attack in the park, and like, like yeah, hey, we're going to pull up behind him. He's like, I don't have anywhere to go. And he's like, be real evil about it. So here's what happens Dusty gets out of the car, only an Arn attack him, um, and with a bat, no less. Like, they're beating him with a bat. Uh, JJ <laughs> joins in on a few F bombs drop, and there's bleach on him. Uh, they then. T- Up to a tow truck with a rope, which has a scaffold on it. This is genius. I don't know if this was set up this way or what, but it's great. So they tie his arm, and then they choke Dusty with a bat. Dusty selling to this is great, slobbering. He's making all these gurgling noises, and then he's out there in the back. (laughs) They were off. It was like it was almost terrifying. Uh, I will (laughs) tell you, as a 13-year-old kid, I was horrified. I was watching because I thought it was real. So anyway, Terry, there, Tully grabs the bat. And they crack the arm, and it's blurred out as Dusty goes, oh, he's like he's gurgling, and it sounds it like death. And so they break his arm. And this, for me, is an odd angle. I uh, talked about earlier in Anderson's Attack to Rock and Roll. Here we are again. We're breaking Dusty's arm. And as a kid, this was amazing to me, but absolutely horrifying that I saw this on TV because I legit thought they were beating the fuck out of him with a bat. So, Logan, hopefully you liked this segment as much as I did because this is great.
3: Oh no, yeah, the awesome, the, the attack was absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, the noises that Dusty made throughout the attack were horrifying and horrible, and just sounded terrible. But, uh, yeah, just them, them, them just beating, beating his ass, tying him up, uh, breaking his arm, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty good attack. Uh, you know, it really put over the Horsemen is uh, desperate to take out one of their biggest foes. Um, and you know, really ruthless in how they did it. Um, so yeah, really good segment for sure.
2: Yeah, so, so here we have Dusty's arms broken. He's attacked. Tully's been injured by him. So clearly this sets up Dusty versus Tully at Starcade. This is where we're going for the TV title. Um, that will end up being a first blood match, but that's not the only match that gets set up out of this. So this will go to our next match, and this match actually happens the day after uh, this injury to Dusty was uh, aired um, worldwide. So I believe this is in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and it makes sense. Uh, and this is on 10 1986, and it's a steel cage match. And um, Tolly is – so basically, here's how it's set up. Tolly and J.J. are standing with David in an interview segment. Tolly is going crazy as J.J. takes uh, his glasses off, showing that his face is beat up from the cast Dusty is wearing from breaking his arm. So, like, holy shit, J.J.'s got his face all beat up, Dusty has a cast on, and they talk about uh, how uh, Dusty beat the shit out of J.J.'s face. J.J. says he was a handsome man. And no one will have to carry these. Now he'll have to carry these scars the rest of his life. Um, and he says a contract to Starcade for TV title is up, but no one has responded. And they are prepared his horsemen to drop out of Starcade altogether until Dusty's match. So he's not just talking about Tully. He's talking about the Andersons, a player. They'll all walk unless Dusty does his TV title match. So Tully is absolutely livid here. And then we cut to the tape um, of Dusty uh, walking to the ring. And lo and behold, Dusty has Nikita Koloff with him, which at the time uh, legit stunned me at the time when I was watching this live because Nikita was one of the most hated baby uh, faces or, you know, just hated heel um, coming off this big feud with Magnum. And I was literally a few weeks prior to this. They had set up Nikita versus Ron Garvin. So this was something. Um, so anyway, this is a cage match. And for some odd reason, it's only in JJ. I don't know why they put JJ in this match, but the bell rings and the faces beat up the heels and crown loses it. Nikita beats only out of the cage. He then lifts J.J. up, and Dusty cuts off the top rope uh, to J.J.'s face with the cast, and then he just literally pummels J.J. with his um, cast to the face and gets the three count. The match is like less than a minute. Uh, The horsemen eventually pull out J.J., all of them, including Flair, are stunned, staring at Nikita. And this was actually amazing booking here in wake of the TA incident, and really quick on-the-fly thinking. was actually was brilliant. And what I really loved about this segment was Flair and Nikita stared at crowd chain and Nikita like their interaction staring at each other was fantastic in this um, it' really set up immediately that flair versus Nikita was going to happen so we'll talk about this match in a minute but I want to get to the interview and the promos uh, to set this up as a final so then we go to an interview and Dusty says last last few weeks have been very tough for him due to the TA accident they love fast cars and fast times um, but we're going to continue to live our life that way he said Nikita called him and they met for hours and he cuts to a promo. He cuts a promo about freedom. And then Nikita says they're superpowers together and don't need to agree on everything. And Nikita is his new partner. Nikita says he went to Japan and when he came back and heard about TA, he called Dusty. He respects TA. TA gave him a lot of good wars as and now he has calls and, but he has no rules or laws says he is the greatest Russian athlete to walk the earth. Then we go to a quick Ric Flair promo that kind of cements this match. So Ric Flair um, says Starcade is built around him in the world title he brought up that he won won the title in 83, and he beat Dusty in the second one and the third one. He says, Nikita, you're in a pressure cooking now, and in the 12th match at Starcade, it's going to be a war. So it's real short and sweet. So a few things. The booking on the fly, like literally a few days after Magnum's incident, to get Nikita to be one of the top faces was absolutely amazing. The way they correlated it to the superpowers of Russia and the United States – at the time which was a big deal in 86 was amazing uh and the quick like how do we get nikita to invent a starcade and how they did that was really really good even though i thought it was a little odd they did that with jj in the cage match because i guess technically you don't want the anderson's to lose because they're going for the world tag team titles uh, so you had to have a quick kind of like squash to make really in. uh logan i thought this booking on the fly was absolutely amazing and they did the best they could with what they had so what did you think about everything we just talked about
3: yeah, given the circumstances, this is probably the best best thing you could have done. Uh if you had to hotshot somebody, this is probably the best way to do it. I think they put old, I think they put uh JJ in there so uh Dusty and Nikita could beat the shit out of him, which is what they did. Uh they absolutely Oh my god,
2: that was so fesab, they destroyed him.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely bludgeoned him. The fans are going absolutely ballistic, just going crazy. Um, it's it i mean, I don't know how much of that is doctored or if that's like truly how loud it was, but they were going absolutely nuts, uh, uh and during that segment, so that was awesome. Um, like I said earlier in the Dusty interview, he he obviously lo- looks and sounds a little sad, says life's been difficult kind of since T.A.'s accident. Uh, talks about uh having long conversations with uh Nikita and how they both have a common respect for Magna T.A. Uh, you know, obviously Dusty and him are friends, and then Nikita and TA had been uh, enemies and p- opponents, and he gained a huge respect for him after the best of seven. So um, they talk a lot about that. Um, obviously, Nikita does the you know he mumbles and you can't really understand half of what he I says.
0: But, greatest Russian athlete, I've never uh,
3: it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I heard greatest Russian athlete in there or something, but yeah, th- that was pretty much all I understood. But and yeah, Flyers promo wasn't you know one of his super bombastic over the top ones it was pretty basic just kind of saying Nikita wasn't on his level um but he better bring his working shoes on, uh for the 12th match at uh, Starcade because they're gonna have a main event match and they're gonna go for the world title against each other so um yeah very very good uh beat down of JJ and uh good good interview with Dusty and Nikita to kind of set up their partnership and yeah Flair you know even his bad promos are still really good so um they,
2: yeah well, hmm. at least they kept Flair very short too here, which I thought was good because typically Flair could go on a rant. This one was just short, sweet, and to the point, which I really liked. Yeah, but so, you, you
3: know, usually he would have been having a feud with somebody a little bit longer before this, so I think it's I think it's part of why it was kind of short.
2: But and sweet. I'm okay. But I'm okay with it. Like I think they did fine oh, yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. and I'm okay with him not. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. All right. So now we have a couple of matches to kind of cement everything and to close this out. So. The, first, the next match we're going to talk about is literally the Horseman versus Rock and Roll and Dusty in a cage. Um, and this is one of those matches that's taped for Japan, but it's a cool find. And it's Arn, Oli, and Flair uh, against Dusty and the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and, Logan, the one thing I did pop for, we even got Japanese commercials uh, before we got into uh, this yeah, match. Did. Did you watch those <laughs> Yeah, I did. You know we like our Japanese commercials. Yes. Um, not as fun as the ones we saw on roulette, but still good to see Japanese commercials here. Um Definitely. <laughs> so, Dusty is. So, here's the match. So, Dusty's using the cast on Arn, which I thought was great because Arn sold the shit out of it. Uh, Morton and Flair exchange on the follow. I thought was really good with the chops and punches. The crowd's going nuts with all three fighting in the ring. I'm sorry, all six fighting in the ring. Arn is thrown into the cage by Gibson. Gibson. Gibson hits him with an insegurity that Arn sells with a total like flipper. Uh, then he was working over Gibson and breaking him into the cage. All six are in the ring again. Arn is bleeding. Uh, Robert finally gets his tag, and then Morton throws Flair into the cage. Then Dusty, from the apron, runs Flair's head in the cage, and then he's bleeding. Uh, the heels work over Morton, and Morton is always good as the face of peril. Uh, Dusty gets a quick tag and does a belly-to-belly to, belly to Arn. as kind of a TA tribute. Then all six in the ring again. There's total chaos as though he goes to the second rope, and I think the camera misses it. What I think was Dusty hitting him with the cast on the way down to get the three. Uh, I thought this was a cool little great war. It was like 12 minutes or so, but really continues to march to Starcade, and I thought it was made by a crowd. I actually went three stars. I thought this was a fun little brawl. What do you think, Logan?
3: Yeah, I actually went uh, three and a quarter on it. I thought it was really well done. Uh, very chaotic. Kind of maybe the chaos I was looking for in that Funk uh, War- mm-hmm. Warriors match. Obviously, that one wasn't in a cage, but m- maybe a little bit of the chaos that happened throughout this one. Um Oh, at the beginning of the match, only selling, uh, getting teed off on in the face corner was a really good uh, sell job there. Uh, Dusty and Arn's interaction were, was as great as they always are. I thought, I thought they had some pretty good interactions throughout the match. Um, Morton comes in and gets some solid offense on Flair. Uh, Gibson does the same. Uh, things kind of fall apart, and all team members come in uh, for a little bit there at the beginning. Uh, Heels only take over because uh, the faces actually obey the rules and the heels uh, actually stay in the ring and triple team. Uh, Morton, I think, was who was in the ring at that point. Uh, But the horsemen obviously uh, are good at really wearing down opponents uh, and beating the crap out of people. So they do that to Gibson for a good little bit. Uh, More chaos. The ref has lost complete control. Uh, Gibson finally gets a tag into Morton. Uh, He, of course, comes in and just starts wearing out Flair and all the other horsemen with big strikes. Um, The horsemen then kind of cheat again, and then that brings everybody in once again. Uh, But Morton is busted open, and once the ring clears, uh, Ole starts to still wear him down. Um, And then Morton catches Arn off the top rope and gets the tag to Dusty, which leads to everybody getting back in the ring and leading to another big brawl. So yeah, I thought it was very chaotic. Um, the, the ref, uh, that this may uh, whoever the referee was in this match would definitely probably go on my bad referee list. Cause he did not do his job at all. Cause this was pure chaos, but it actually worked out in this uh, match's favor for sure.
2: All right. So you went through a quarter on it. Mm-hmm, yep. Okay. And I went three. So, so, yeah, so a, a great cage match. And, and again, they give us another match, which we're going to talk about next, uh from November 8th, 1986. And it's the Superpowers. Uh, you know, for, again, they haven't been a team that long, but I think this is a great match to have like going into it. And it's them taking on Tully and Flair, which I think is a big-time match because these four are in the top two matches at Starrcade, which I think is really cool. And, you know, WWE, WWE tends to do this a lot, but it's overdone. Back in the day, they didn't do stuff like this on TV, which is really cool. And I think they needed it to kind of cement, hey, this is your two main events and to kind of get a feel for what they were going to go for. And I think it helps draw in. So anyway, this is for Charlotte. It's also taped for Japan. So I don't know who in Japan, like, knew, I don't know what kind of deal Japan had over the U.S. that they gave people these matches that we didn't get. But these are two back-to-back matches that they aired on Japan TV that they did not air on TV for us at the time. So um, I love the visual of Foley and Flair out in their red and green robes. They, like They look like total hot shits when they come out, like really, like, big, big deals. And then Dusty and Nikita come out with their belts around the waist, so it really gives that ambience of, you know, this is a big time. you got these belt holders, and you got these – it just felt big time. Uh, Nikita hits Tully with a Savage Atomic drop. Nikita clobbers a flare, um, in a to- and then there's a Tully uh, rope throw. Dusty uh, goes right to Tully his leg. The ref is distracted, and Flair pulls Dusty to the ropes, so he and JJ can work on Dusty's uh, hurt arm. The heels go – and then do the arm work, and then Dusty hits Tully with a clothesline and a figure four – JJ's up on the apron and Nikita goes after and the ref is distracted and then Flair does a top rope knee to Dusty's head and then all four in the ring. The ref calls for the bell. Nikita and Dusty go for double sickles and the heels bail. I thought this is another solid war, not as good as the last match, but still I thought had great heat and great crowd. And to me, it helped build the two main events. I actually went two and three quarters on it. Um, We had a non-finish and I don't think it was as good as the last six, man. What'd you think, Logan?
3: Yeah, I went two and a half. I just don't think it had a ton of time to cook. But uh, when, when Dusty and Nikita came out, the pop was unreal. I thought that was really great. Uh, you know, the crowd just super super blew up for when when they came out. Um, poor Tully gets his fucking ass kicked uh, in this
4: one uh, for a good
3: majority of it by Dusty um, and, and and Nikita. Honestly, um, JJ's uh, distracting. Uh, Roads was pretty much the only thing that saved Tully. Uh, cause it kind of a fl- allowed Flair to come in and cheat. Um, they, like you said, they start working over Dusty's arm and hand. Um, Dusty locks in the, uh, figure four on Tully at one point and Flair starts to interfere, but Koloff, uh, stops him even though he completely whiffs on the tackle. Um, he completely misses him. I, I thought that was a really f- funny spot cause he was supposed to kind of spear him and he kind of missed. Mm. Um, but, uh, Dylan obviously distracts again at the end, like you said. Uh, not long enough, though, but the ref kind of catches the interference by flair and calls for the DQ. So the DQ ending and the fact that this wasn't super long uh, is the reason I probably only went two and a half on
2: it. Gotcha. So, yeah, so that ends kind of like the build, the star kid. We talked about all of the matches and how they were built. We talked about Magnum TA's injury and how it impacted the show. Um, so I'm going to run down the card for you, Logan um and then i'm going to ask you what your overall thoughts are on the build i mean we'll do our awards at the end but i'm going to run down the card real quick so here's your starcade 86 card uh tim horner and nelson royal versus the Kernodal brothers uh, hector guerrero and baron von rashke versus shaska watley in the barbarian wahoo uh, mcdaniel versus rick rude in an indian strap match uh jimmy valiant with big mama versus paul jones in a hair versus hair match uh with manny fernandez left in the cage with big mama's hair on the line uh, Tully Blanchard versus Dusty Rhodes in a first bl- blood match for the TV title. The Rock and Roll Express versus Olean Arne in a steel cage for the tag team titles. Brad Armstrong versus Jimmy Garvin, which I didn't talk about tonight, but when Magnum TA got injured, they transitioned Brad Armstrong into a spot against Garvin, so they just let it naturally flow into Starcades. That's why that match happens. Uh as tag team titles will be Kresher Khrushchev and Ivan Koloff and Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantel, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. Um, in a rematch from the tournament final, and that'll be a no DQ match. Uh, Sam Houston versus Bill Dundee for uh, the NWA Central States Heavyweight Championship. So Central States was still in territory at this time. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we get to Starkate '86. Uh, Big Bubba versus Ron in a street fight. The Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express uh, in a Skywalker's match. In your main event, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, versus NWA United States Heavyweight Champion Nikita Koloff. So before about the, uh, we'll talk about the.
3: Yeah, I, I think the card looks pretty pretty solid. It, you know, it has some you know has some stinkers in there. It has some that you're not super uh super excited about, I guess you could say. You know, but it's just to get a lot of guys on the card, give get a lot of guys a, a big payday uh, that deserve it, that have been probably busting their ass on the road on the territories. Um, you know, just getting in there and then at least most of them have a pretty good rivalry reason to start happening, uh, as we've kind of talked about a lot of them tonight. Um, but yeah, it should be a really solid card. There should be something, uh, To look forward to. Um, I know we've liked Sam Houston a lot uh, in the few matches that I've been on that I've seen from him. So uh, I would actually kind of look forward to that one. Um, I know that that's probably not one of the bigger matches, but I think I think he's been pretty solid in what I've seen uh, when I've been uh, on a guest appearance or been on here permanently for a little bit here. Um, But yeah, solid card. uh, Definitely a lot to look forward to.
2: All right, so um, so let's kind of go through this, and then I'll ask for your overall thoughts on the build that we went over tonight. So uh, what was your best match that we watched tonight, Logan?
3: Uh, I would go with the six-man cage match. I thought that was really awesome, really chaotic, uh, and I thought I really enjoyed it.
2: See, I went with Funks versus Warriors. So I, I could see – I could make it – listen, I, I'm, I don't disagree with you on the cage match. I might have overrated the Funks versus Warriors, but I think both those matches are good, but – to your point, for the sheer heat and how short it is, and to build the star, Gabe, okay, you'd probably have to go with the six-man. Uh, worst match? I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it was the Baron Von Raschke match, which we hardly even talked about. It was more of an angle to get a face for something that wasn't needed.
3: Yeah, was say, if you count that, that yeah, that's definitely the worst worst match that we watch, for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I am counting it because I hate Baron Von Raschke, so we're going to count it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't, you don't give right.
3: it to Tully and Flair just because that happened to be the worst best match. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, okay, so finally, your overall thoughts. So we went through the build to the main matches tonight. So for me, on the overall build, I think the two singles main events, they built really well between Dusty and Tully and Nikita and Flair. Um, I thought the scaffold match the, thing they built was really good. I think the Andersons versus rock and roll build was good. Um, shit, I even think the Jones Army stuff, as much as I don't want to really see any of those matches, I think they did a pretty solid job of even building those. And, um, unfortunately, Ron Garvin and Bubba, the build's not great because they didn't have – a they really had to build that one quick to get Garvin on the card. Um, mm-hmm. I feel bad for Garvin because he was going to get a U.S. title shot, and then he got stuck with Big Bubba. And then, you know, I feel like in the, in the end of all this, Garvin's the one that really lost out more than anything because, you know, he lost his spot in the big title match. But at the end of the day, Dusty, I think, made the right decision. So I thought the build to start 86 like literally from end of September to getting to the actual event, I thought they did a pretty solid job with the build. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, but Garvin gets a world world title run out of it eventually, so you can't feel too bad for him. <laughs> yeah, my opinion
2: is he got that too late. He should have got it in 85, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, we know, we all know that you're a little bit more of a Garvin mark than most other yeah, people
2: Yeah, I got, a little, I got a little bit of a Garvin boner, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I mean, but other than the horrendous uh, Garvin video, uh, or not Garvin video, uh. uh fucking valiant, the valiant the, video uh, yeah other than yeah, the valiant, valiant video. video yeah everything i thought other than that was great uh, and that was minuscule in the grand scheme of things but yeah the jones army uh gaining manny fernandez is a good good thing the attacks that they had in that uh the rock and roll express and the anderson's like i i can't imagine a world where they have a bad match it may not be the greatest of all time or anything like that uh, every night but i can't imagine them having a bad match at all because uh, they're both great um yeah you're, you you <laughs> the <laughs> scaffold stuff with the uh midnight express was awesome and hilarious with uh cornet and all that and then the pumpkins with the road warriors uh wild goofy was uh still still really effective and good uh and then uh yeah the all the stuff with uh Nikita and Dusty and Tully and all that were it was all great so uh really, really strong build uh and now we'll just see if the car holds up and delivers,
2: yeah, so we'll definitely cover starcade uh me you and Schiff uh, is the plan, so we'll cover starcade eighty six but um Logan, so that kind of ends uh episode number uh fifty six here so um, I appreciate you joining. I know it was just the two of us, but I think uh, we covered off all our bases to be ready for Stargate 86. So before we go, anything you'd like to plug?
3: Um, yes. Uh, on the uh, Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, we have a roulette that we've mentioned uh, before in this plot earlier tonight. Um, Chicken Salad and Starflation, I do that with uh, Ben and Callum. Uh, Chicken Salad's looking at the worst pay-per-views. Uh, Starflation is looking at the uh, best matches, according to Dave Meltzer. Um, and Kind of re-rating them based on his new seven-star scale. And then uh, Who's Next is the NXT pod that I do with Andy. We've kind of been on a little bit of a break lately, but we're going to record an episode as soon as we can with vacations and uh, just responsibilities and life kind of interfering a little bit. And then on uh, on the uh, North-South Connection, i got Talking Docs, and then uh, we also kind of mentioned this a little bit, or that may have been on our pre-pod talk, but uh, linking Up Luchas is uh, headed to you as, as, right after the uh, – last episode of seven months of danger drops so that's what i got
2: all right and as for me obviously uh this one um appearances on pretty much all of the ones that logan uh, brought up if i can um i do play on i mean highway i think i'm trying to become a little bit more regular on that one at this point so um, i know it is as of this recording we got one coming up uh hopefully i'll be on with you um and then to link it up lucha i'm really i'm actually really excited uh, by, the, by the way before i get to that uh the seven months of danger podcast on north south we have completed that as of this time this comes out we did 23 episodes covering the entire run of the dangerous alliance probably one of the most probably not what you would expect um we covered a lot but probably one of the most funniest entertaining bat shit it just it just turned into something that none of us expected and we had a really good time doing it and it's very funny but i do think in the grand scheme of things, we do a really, really great job of covering the alliance run, regardless of some of the chicanery we do. I think we did an amazing job with it, um, and I'm really, really proud of that podcast. Really, really proud Um, So go listen to that in North South. The whole thing is over there. Um, if you have not heard that pod, give it give it a good run. It's a great listen. Uh, the Leaking Up Lucha. I'm really. I, so I've never watched Lucha Underground, and you know, Lou, Logan had brought up, hey, you know, after Danger Ends, I would like to do a Lucha pod. I said, sure and i had never see much underground um i will save my comments cuz i have already watched the episodes that we're going to watch for the first episode um definitely unexpected definitely unexpected and i will stop at that logan so i look forward to that <laughs> run on that pod i think it's going to be a lot of fun i think it'll be good absolutely yeah really looking forward to that one uh i i i
3: was kind of worried about you i'm a little worried about uh jacob williams who will also be joining us um uh may, maybe jacob
2: will be four stars on first <laughs> I that's that's gonna be like the Impact Pod four star <laughs> it's going to be like four star Chavo or something I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, um, but yeah, y'all are the two I was worried about. So the fact that you're somewhat in already, I, I think I think I consider
2: that a win. So yeah. Whether I like it or not, I'm definitely in. But I'll you'll have to listen to the first episode to find out where I where I fall out. So. Mm. Right. But it's definitely gonna be a fun. I think it's gonna be fun to do no matter what. Especially for me, it's something I've never watched. I've watched you know me. I watch a shitload of wrestling. It's one thing I've never watched. So I look forward to watching that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So with that, that concludes our episode. Um, Not sure when uh, Starcade 86 will drop. As you know, uh, with this return that we're doing with Crock and Roll, uh, we record and we drop as we can. So we have no set schedule. But uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, we will see and talk to you all on our next episode. And again, Logan, thanks for joining. And good night, everybody.